everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I'm your host, the Coupon Queen Pen. Guys, you know, prices have been going up, 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 and people are still trying to figure out, well, am I squeezing this rock to get the money out? And how do I do the, still do the same things that I was doing before? Well, my guest, Mark, has some of the answers for just that. So, let's take a moment out, and I'll be right back with Mark. So, guys, like I was saying, I am here with Mark Willis, and he has the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. So, you know, we've always had these amazing financial people on, and we're getting ready to get into why this isn't your average financial podcast. So, Mark, please introduce yourself to my listeners. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it is sort of, um, it's sort of humbling to to think that, you know, from my very, very humble beginnings that I've now had the privilege of working with real estate investors, business owners, NFL Super Bowl champions. But most people I work with are just parents, individuals wanting to try to make it through life and keep the bills, you know, clean at the end of the month and uh, looking for ways to take more control over their lives financially. And rather than being a tennis ball floating down life's gutter, um, they want to swim upstream financially. And um, they do it, they want to do it in ways that are safe and predictable and, and specifically finding creative ways to, to save on big expenses, which is, I know, one thing, CQP, that you're big into around here. Oh, yeah, we've got to save. We've definitely got to save money. You know, breaking pockets is not what we do around here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, so, so we, we try our best to find creative ways to make that happen. I think, honestly, it's not talked about by many financial advisors, but how we buy the stuff of life matters more than what we got on our mutual funds last year, just as an example. Right. And and I think that's what most people don't really get to. So one of the biggest things that's going on right now, and you and I spoke briefly about this before we started, is inflation. And yep. it's just like everything is costing more. There's like not anything that you can't say isn't at least more by 20%. So the big thing is, you know, people before were always saying, okay, you know what, I'm working this, I'm working that, and I'm going to save up for retirement. But one of the first things that I need to ask, and this has always been a huge debate, is when should people start thinking about saving for retirement? That's a, a thinking I think is always uh, a good idea at any age, you know, I, and it comes down honestly, and I hate to be sort of wishy-washy here, but what does retirement mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the next guy or gal? It can mean very different things to different people. Some people want to move out on the land and stop buying stuff and grow their own food and live simply. Other people want to pay raise when they retire. And they want to live on the beach and they want a very high, high end lifestyle. So, you know, the, 
the more you're going to want that second future, the more you got to start when you're seven years old, basically <laughs> these days. Okay. Okay. You know, so the, uh, so, but you know, it really comes down and oftentimes spouses will have a different idea of what retirement means. What, and, and honestly, it comes out in our conversations when I have phone calls or zoom calls, it's interesting to hear the husband, the wife, both spouses come up with different ideas, uh, which can bring some spice to the conversation. That's for sure. I'm sure. So are you saying on top of already asking, you know, the usual dating questions, or should I say not <laughs> dating, but in other words, when you find out that you're serious about that person and you are discussing a future together, one of the things that you should be discussing is how the two of you plan on retiring. I'd say it's worth at least a conversation. You know, there's there's going to be a future together. And if you're going to do something like life together, you don't have to be figuring out which condo you're going to buy in Miami or whatever, but you do need to have some basic idea of, hey, are are we aligned in terms of our life goals together? Yeah. And that can be a continuing conversation. I hope it is. I hope that, you know, that your needs might change, your goals might change over time. That, see, and I, I think that's one of the interesting things that you hit upon is goals changing after time. Now, let's say someone decides, hey, I no longer want to live on the land. I want to, uh, you know, live that high life. But let's say, in other words, their career isn't really lending to that high life thing. What are some of the things that people can do or invest in when they're looking to change the goals for their retirement? Well, you're right. And I think at the at the very outset, we have to really be honest about where we are today. And as a country, we are dramatically underprepared. According to the uh, Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, the average American's retirement balance at age 55, okay, so these are people not far off from retirement. At age 55, the, the account balance of the 401k is about 130,000 bucks, which, you know, wow, that's cool, six figures, right? But what does $130,000 really buy us now? Well, it turns into about 300 bucks a month of income. That's what that's what the yeah. typical retirement account is set to do <laughs> at this stage in the game. That's that's not enough for most people, right? That, so that's definitely not enough. That's yeah. That's that's barely enough to buy food. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm 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 that that you know now that you're putting numbers to it makes it like wow because yeah. I think you know one of the things that we think of is hey I'm going to invest in this. This is going to be my plan. This is you know and. We're not thinking, hey, you know what, because we let, let let's be real. We were blindsided by this this rise of inflation. Yeah, everyone was. We didn't see this coming. So how do we now change this? Because in other words, what may have bit us back in 2019 here in 2022 no longer fits. But people may be making the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think there's the, the wages have not kept up with the overall inflation. 
And, you know, I think the official numbers by the government might be understating the true rise of prices. I know some people who've seen their grocery bill double over the last year, especially on things like meat and, and you know, the kind of core elements to, um, you know, big, big project, uh, big meal items, take meal ticket items for, um, for families. You're, you just can't go without gas. You can't go without groceries. And both of those have seen some significant inflation over the last year. And yeah. there's there's only a few options. You know, I think recently too, I saw that the, yeah, it was in August. In August, we've had the largest increase of credit card balance that we've ever had in American history. Uh, so this means we're either buying more stuff or more likely we're putting our higher price gas and our higher price groceries on our credit cards now. Right. Um, now, speaking of credit cards, because I actually got into this conversation with someone a little while ago, and what was being said was, instead of paying your bills on your debit card from your bank account, you should be using your credit card and then using your bank account to pay off your credit card bill. Is that correct or is that incorrect? Yeah, and in the... If you're able to manage the the snakes of the credit card industry, if you're able to, you know, be the snake charmer of the of your credit cards, then please do. You'll get airline points, you'll get discounts, you'll get cash back. All those are wonderful uh, benefits, and there's nothing wrong with doing that as long as you've got the management in your mind and and in your budget to be able to do that. Uh, I would recommend if you're going to do that to also set aside some chunks of cash for the ultimate emergency, um, because what you don't want to end up happening is for you to be following this process and then have nothing to fall back on should the unexpected happen, right? You don't want to end up being charged 30% interest just because you missed a few months of payments. Uh, so keeping a big bucket of liquidity at this time is a big deal. And, you know, I think the, 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 make this the daily and annual purchases like your groceries and so forth uh, have a big part to play in whether you're going to win or lose the money game. But I would also say that it's the big purchases, the irregular expenses. It's, it's the car you're going to buy every four to five years. It's the vacations, the 10 to 14 vacations that we'll all go on the big ones, you know, the bite the bullet kind of um, vacations. We'll buy right. about 10 to 14 vacations. We'll buy about eight to 12 cars over our lifetime. We'll buy about three to four houses. These are the big swings that every person on on the averages are in, will end up having to spend. And if you do it right, you'll win the money game. If you do it wrong on these big ticket items, um, you'll unfortunately uh, be up a creek and you'll have to find other ways to fight back. Wow. 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 So what, okay, you are the financial consultant. What is the first thing that you do when people come to you, when they say, Hey, you know what, Mark, I want you to be my person. We sit down first and I love to listen. And I know I'm doing a lot of talking on this episode, but my skill as a certified financial planner much like a doctor, is to listen first before we go rushing to judgment on what should be set up or implemented. 
So learning to listen is, I think, a skill we could all get better at, but it's something that I get a lot of practice on uh, when I sit down and chat with uh, clients and and um, understanding their heart, their goals, their concerns, uh, what they're uh, fearful of, what they're excited about, what makes them tick. That's where we start. And one of the best questions that someone asked me, one that I'd never really been asked before, and honestly, it's um, sat too bad because I think uh, too many people live their whole life and never have the chance to think about this question. And here's the question. What do you want your money doing for you? Seems like an obvious, very simple question. But the question, what do you want, is one that's very rarely considered when it comes to this thing called money. We want our money to act and work for us. We want it to be our servant, not the other way around. But how? And what is it doing when it does that? How does it act? Because, you know, this might again sound obvious, but where you put your money makes it do different things. When it goes into a savings account, it acts different than when it's in a 401k or on a credit card or on a student loan. You know, where your money is or in your house payment right? Where your money lives creates a different set of characteristics or, or personality traits for your money. And too many Americans, I think, have their money in the wrong places. For example, quick, quick case study. Most Americans keep their money either in their house, like trapped in the equity in their house, and in a 401k. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but when they also have a couple of flat tires in life, right? then what do they have to do? The, the biggest, I think the biggest jump most people have is how are they not going to pay for the groceries and the gas because that hopefully is being taken care of by their day jobs and through some of the incredible strategies you help teach on uh, extreme couponing and more. That is absolutely your basic block and tackle that everybody should really learn how to do. What I really find most helpful after that is how are we going to buy the big ticket items? I have I have not yet seen a big coupon for my next car, for example, uh, right. or my kid's college tuition, for example, right. or the down payment on the next house, for example. And so how are we going to buy those big ticket items? And what does that have to do with our retirement? Here's the thing. Most parents take themselves to bankruptcy court almost uh, to help their kids graduate and then get on to college. And then what do they got left for their own retirement? At the end, they go broke, their kids are off, and then the parents become a burden to the children. It's a shame, but that's what happens. Uh, right, and, and right. So we try to find ways to help keep that from happening, help the parents, you know, put on their own oxygen mask first, you might say, and make sure that the kids right. are taken care of, but they don't go broke for retirement in the process. Right. Now, there's something a little bit different that's happening now, whereas, in other words, a lot of people, and I think we saw it more during quarantine, where a lot of people are realizing, I can't, I can't live by myself. And not because, in other words, they are needy for affection or anything, but financially they just can't afford it. I mean, mm -hmm. we have kids, like you said, kids moving back in with parents, parents moving back in with children. So what's going on? How, and Okay, the question I think that I'm actually getting at is 
how do we help each other as a unit move forward? You're right. There's some powerful tools and strategies and a, a mindset, I'd say, you know, thinking as a unit, boy, you are stronger together, right? Um, I think Bible, the Bible even says, you know, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Uh, exactly, so working exactly. together, you're stronger together, right? Um, so getting on the same page, I remember my wife and I, when we first had our budget conversations, it was all about just not wringing each other's necks you know we we would go to um we'd go to a public place get ice cream uh and and talk about our budget in a public place just in case there needed to be witnesses uh for anything you know nasty going down right wow uh, so... okay wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute so you know that's something i never thought of because we always think you know our finances are private so mm -hmm. you guys did it in a public place just so that everything <laughs> was equal. Well, everything was equal and, um, you know, we wouldn't get into a shouting match or whatever. I mean, we, we never, obviously we we're, you know, cordial and kind, but I think, I think just keeping it, um, keeping it responsible and respectful. And we just didn't know how to talk about money. You talked about you know, sort of having, how do we support each other as, as couple, as a couple, I really believe that we aren't taught how to talk about money right, and right. so much emotion wrapped up in it. And there's a lot of, um, I think a lot of, um, identity issues and more mm -hmm. boy, money is money in and of itself is this really fascinating part of the human experience. It's been around as long as civilization, as far as I can tell. Uh, but you know, really we don't know how to deal with it. And very few families teach their kids how to deal with it. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that because I think part of it is we don't, since we don't know how to deal with it, we can't kind of mm -hmm. can't teach our kids how to deal with it. It's kind of like, you know, you're taught from school age, really, Hey, you know what? Go to school, listen to your teacher, go to college, get a job, make money. Mm -hmm pay your bills and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But no that's one right. ever tells you, you know, this is how you save. This is how you keep uh, you know, things coming in, or maybe you may need multiple streams of income. Or when you get married, uh, if this person has debt, that debt becomes yours. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, none of this stuff is actually taught. It's it's kind of taught in this like rote linear way and Honestly, for us, even as just as a society, even what we've been talking about, money isn't linear. Right. That's right. Yeah. And there's, there's, I think, a first step here where you sit down, maybe with yourself first and then with your significant other, and just talk about why do we have money at all? I know it sounds such, such like a deep question, like grab your scuba gear, right? But what is important about money to you? How do you know you're winning the money game? There's lots of pathways here. You don't have to, it's not like we're all climbing the mountain to see who can sit on the most pile of beans here. What do you need money for? Maybe it's to help you enjoy um, time away from work. Maybe it's so you can reach some sort of status and get the big boat or whatever. Different people have different objectives with money. So maybe the first thing to do is to jot down your purpose statement with money. What is it in your life for? Mm, mm. Why do you have it? 
What are you doing with it? What does it help you accomplish? How do you know you're five years later? Let's look back on, let's imagine you're five years older. Okay. You've been doing this money thing for another five years, five trips around the sun. How will you know you were successful over those last five years? What characteristics, what, what's changed about your life to know that you were in the right moves, you know? Right. Right. And I think, I think one of the things that we usually think of is the promotion, the raise, you know, and those aren't necessarily, I mean, they don't get me wrong. They are markers for success, Mm -hmm. but they aren't necessarily the markers we should be looking at, or am I wrong? It's somebody's success metric. It might not be yours. Everybody has a plan for your money. Think about that for a minute. Mm, Wow. Every every grocery store, every mall clerk, every financial advisor, every commercial you watch, Amazon definitely has a plan for my money. Holy smokes. Amazon and Target. You bet. Target is the eye of Sauron. And guys, you know what I mean. You go in there for like one pillow and come out with like a million things. It's true. (laughs) So yeah, I get it. You got to get your own plan straight. Otherwise, somebody else is going to take advantage and make it their plan. You know, they'll retire before you can off your money. And I'm talking to financial advisors about that too. don't, Don't let your financial advisor retire before you can. Wow. So. I, you know what? Oh my gosh. I don't even know what to say to that. Like your financial advisor can actually retire before you do. Well, think about it this way. This is, this is according to the department of labor, an asset center management fee of just 1%. That's typical fees on your retirement plan. 1% fee. Doesn't sound like a lot, right? You know, you get a 1% 1 fee on a retirement account over 35 years, which is typical for people to keep their IRA for retirement years. right? Right. Right. That's over a third of your life savings just eaten up to fees. Wow. A third? All yeah. You you think you think we're if we're clipping coupons at the grocery store, we should be looking at those fees like a hawk. And there's a great tool out there for folks wanting to look into this. Go to FINRA, F-I-N-R-A, the FINRA Fund Analyzer. FINRA Fund Analyzer. And just start typing in the stuff that you see in your 401k or IRA. You'll be shocked at how much you're getting charged without even realizing it and how much they're taking off your back. Wow. 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 That is crazy. That is crazy. So, guys, this information, of course, is going to be in the show notes. And I have to say, I never thought of my financial person retiring before I did. <laughs> oh my goodness mark what the heck like what have i been doing all my life uh, <laughs> <laughs> but okay so where can people find you and your amazing podcast and your consulting and all this valuable information that you have well thank you cqp and it's been a great privilege to get to chat with you and in your audience if you want to find ways to retire before your financial advisor, if you want to be able to find more creative ways to make those big purchases, the vacation home, the cars, the kids' college, all that stuff is going to be millions of dollars. What if there was a way you could actually benefit from those, not just lose that money forever, but actually financially compound your wealth on those purchases? Uh, I can help. We work with clients all over the country. You can go to kickstartwithmark.com. 
and you can request a 15-minute phone strategy session. We don't bite, we promise. It's just a chance for us to get to know each other. Uh, that's kickstartwithmark.com. And our show is on that site too. The show is called Not Your Average Financial Podcast, if you'd like to learn more about what we do. Whoa, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And guys, of course, his information will be in the show notes so you won't miss a thing. Mark, this has been amazing. I have to definitely make sure that I definitely don't, you know, allow my financial person to retire before I do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, thank you so, so much. And oh, my pleasure. Guys, definitely make sure you're listening to his podcast because you heard him drop quite a few gems. So thank you so much. As you can see, guys, Mark is definitely someone that can help you figure out that master financial plan you need. So all of his information will be in the show notes. And of course, you won't miss a thing. But as always, guys, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And happy shopping. Hey everyone, it's Angelica from A Little Bit of Everything With Me podcast. And you're listening to CQP Moments with the Coupon Queen pen. Don't forget to like and subscribe and rate her podcast.